Greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the Best Day Movie Related Show on the Internet, The John Campia Show. I am, of course, your host, John Campia, and our show today is brought to you in part by our friends over at Mint Mobile. And it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV, and streaming, and all sorts of good stuff. Not just giving you our opinions, but giving you information and context so you can form your own well-informed opinions, whether they're the same or completely different from ours. Uh, joining me here in uh, on the podcast today, Ray Ora is sitting over there. <laughs> Making a face, not realizing that this is only going to be in podcast form, so people aren't going to see it. Jonathan Voiko is here, and uh, most importantly, you guys are here. Thanks so much for joining us on your drive home or whenever you're listening to this podcast today. And we got a bunch of things to uh, talk about here today, so we're going to start off with this. Fast and the Furious X, it, it opens this week. It just kind of snuck up on you, and all of a sudden, it's there. And here, the week of Fast X, they have released a final trailer. One last trailer to get you going. Now, they actually showed us this trailer that they dropped today back uh, at CinemaCon a couple of weeks ago. And look, I, while I did not really like Fast and the Furious or Too Fast, Too Furious or Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift, I was not a big fan of the first three. Uh, I've said this before. I started to like it around four and then I loved five and I've been a big fan of the franchise ever since. Hated Fast <laughs> 9. Like, com completely hated that movie. But... I think the trailers for Fast 10 have been really good, and now we got this new trailer. And I'll tell you what, it's full of bonkers fun. I really like this trailer. Uh. I like it a lot, and we're going to hear some dissenting opinions on that in a second. I personally really like the trailer. I mean, look, one of the things that I love that they do, too, is you got Reacher in there, Alan Richen or Rickman, or I, I don't know. I can't remember Alan's I, last name. Yeah, I think Jonathan knows how to pronounce it. Rickin? No. Rick, but anyway, Alan yeah. from Reacher. Reacher's in there. By the way, how good is Reacher? If you haven't watched Reacher on Amazon, you need to watch it because it's really, really quite good. But I love the fact in this movie franchise that plays very fast and loose with the laws of the universe that they actually call it out. It goes, they defy the laws of physics and God or something like that. It's like, come on, just being able to say what everybody's thinking anyway. Um, this is I, my expression during the actual trailer right here. That's my expression. <laughs> that was the look on your face while yeah. watching the trailer. <laughs> I thought it was fun. And I'll tell you what, I think Jason Momoa is going to be the best villain they've had in the franchise so far. I think he just looks mean and menacing. I kind of love the, the, from what we've seen in these trailers, I kind of love the personality they seem to get with them. Look, does it look like they do really ridiculous, completely impossible things? Yes. yes. <laughs> but it feels like they're doing the completely impossible things that they would do in Fast 6 and say Fast 7, right? Not the type of, this is, let's put a car in outer space that's sealed up with duct tape. Not that sort of impossible, but like the kind of impossible you get in Fast 6 and 7. Just the fun, ridiculous, suspend your disbelief and go. Now, I, like even suspending disbelief has its limits. Fast <laughs> 9 broke all those limits. But it feels like maybe this one they're going to drag in a little bit more. I don't care what any of you naysayers say. I am looking forward to Fast 10 and we'll see. But Jonathan, you had a completely different experience with this trailer than I did. So do you recall that line in the matrix where <clears throat> they were describing, they made the world perfect and the humans were rejecting the matrix because it was right. too perfect. I felt like I was starting to break out of the matrix as I watched <laughs> this, like my, my, my suspension of disbelief started to wane and it just became like an uncanny Valley of a trailer. 
And I just, I, I felt like I was ripping through the fabric of reality as I watched this trailer. It was horrible. I mean, first off, <laughs> what is, like, what is this? What She's just in this magical room of screens that talks about them, like, you know, having picnics and, and ripping off <laughs> safes. And, and this dude's like, yeah, I was in Ninja Turtles. And... <laughs> And then this guy, <laughs> yeah, they're, was... they're like shooting at him. And what does he do? Oh, he walks towards the machine guns. Oh, it's not just AK-47s. No, they have a minigun. Yeah, but he knows it. they're terrible shots. He, he just he, he knows they're like stormtroopers. Here's Dom and his son, his young son, not putting a child in danger at Is all. Is that his son? It, it's a kid. Yeah, it's his, I think it's because, his kid. Well, oh, I mean, the yeah, option yeah, right, was right. that they were being crushed by two semi Or getting out of the car and just getting out. Yeah, not, <laughs> not putting yourself up as a target for these two guys. And then... Yeah, just driving down the side of a dam with an explosion behind you. It yeah, looks good. Kid. Come That's on, great. Ray. What, what did you break this tie here? What I, did you think I, of it? I'm actually confused because I, when I was watching the trailer, I don't know why I thought this. I, I, I could be the stupid. I'm probably the stupidest guy in the world. But <laughs> I was thinking that kid was Paul Walker's son. Because remember when John Zena walks in, he goes, uncle? And yeah. he's like, your dad sent. Or yeah, wait. Yeah, because that because 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 John Cena is to, is is Dominic's because, brother. So that because makes him his the uncle. girl, the girl. No, that, no, no, uh, it's, it's 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 Dom's son. Oh, because the girl. Remember, the son was with uh, Paul Walker's wife, right? In that room, Jordania Brewster. Remembers? Well, they have a kid, too. Paul Walker in there. Yeah, well, supposedly. OK. Yeah, so Brian I and her was, have a kid, I, too. I thought that was Paul Walker's son. Uh, no, it's supposed Dom's to be Dom. They take they take Dom's son. So now he's it's, it's all about the real family. Anyway, guys, I I thought it was fun. I am believing a much better film than Fast Nine was. <laughs> At least I hope Jonathan doesn't think so so much. Question is for you guys: What did you think about the new trailer for Fast and the Furious X? Jump on down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to this. So without a doubt. The reigning, defending, undisputed number one movie of the year, Super Mario Brothers, has been on an incredible roll. I mean, this is an incredible success story. First of all, just consider this. It is already, while it's still in movie theaters, it's the number one video game movie of all time. And not by some small margin either. Like, by a significant margin. But this movie has, like, dominated the box office from top to bottom all year. Nothing else has come close to this movie the entire year. And when you think about the success of the movie, I mean, just look at these statistics here. Okay, yes, it had about a 60% critic rating. Now, that does mean, you know, about 6 out of 10 critics liked it, 4 out of 10 didn't, whatever. I liked it. I understand why it doesn't have a super high critic score, because while it is a lot of fun, there are much better animated films. But I had a blast watching this movie, and that's why the audience score is 96%. The audience clearly went to go see Mario Brothers and had a really good time. But again, there's that big number at the bottom. Worldwide box office, $1.2 billion at the box office. This making it not only the number one video game movie of all time, but in the I believe it's now in the top five biggest animated films of all time. It has been a crazy success. And as of right now, six weekends... In theaters, it is still at the number two spot in the box office, having made another $12 million this weekend, only behind Guardians of the Galaxy. It's ahead of things like Evil Dead Rise and, oh my goodness, Ray, you're not going to believe this. Mario Brothers beat out Book Club the next chapter. Okay, don't call me out on that. I, I'm, 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 it's, it's crazy. <laughs> I've been tracking that. It's, it's insane. I can't believe but it. But six weekends, and it's still at number two. Well, now, even though it's still number two at the box office, you can now watch Super Mario Brothers at home 
but at a price. This comes to us from our friends over at The Hollywood Reporter who write the following. The Super Mario Brothers movie has sped past the $500 million mark at the U.S. box office. Again, that's $1.2 worldwide. And now the number one video game movie of all time is flying into th home theaters. Currently available for pre-order, and actually it's not just pre-order now, it's available for order. Currently available for order online for $30 on Amazon Prime Video and Apple TV, the Super Mario Brothers movie will is now available as of yesterday at 9 p.m. Uh, in the U.S. Those in the U.K. can stream the animated film beginning on July 9th. So our friends in the U.K. are going to have to wait a couple more months. A release date has not been announced beyond the U.S. and the U.K., that the, but the movie will be released on DVD, Blu-ray, and digital, I probably assume that means some kind of streaming services, on December 31st. Okay. So this is not terribly surprising or unusual because Universal has done this before. I believe they've done this with their Jurassic World movie and they did this with Fast 9, where only, you know, like six weeks into its run, they have a available for purchase, put it online. So that's great. Even though Super Mario Brothers is in movie theaters, and that is where you should go see it because it's the best experience in movie theaters. But if you do want to watch it at home, it is now available at home. But like I said, for a price, as of right now, if you want to buy this movie on, uh, this is on Amazon right now, you can buy it for $30. Or maybe you just want to rent it for the low, low price of $24.99. You know, it just was a $5 short. I better just do that. Yeah, I, I mean, this. I mean, obviously, they're making it for rent for $24 to make you go, oh, for just $5 more, I can buy it. Mm -hmm. So they're like, they sat around and thought, people aren't going to buy it for 30 bucks. I know. Let's also make it for rent at $25, and then it'll look like buying it at 30 is a bargain a second we, thought i'm renting it we can't afford not to buy it jonathan you can't afford not to buy it i'll show them i'm only <laughs> going to give them 25 <laughs> I'll, show, I'll stick it to the man <laughs> hey look uh, for me as a as somebody who does not use physical media right i i love having my movies on digital but even for me i ain't paying 30 dollars for a digital i will wait a couple of months until it gets to what its real price will be, which would which probably be like $19.99 or $15 or, or something along those lines. I sure as hell ain't renting this thing for 25 bucks. <laughs> but, and Jonathan, you can probably speak to this better than most of us because you're the only one in the room here with kids. But I can see the appeal if you're a parent with a family of five, uh, for example, is $30 or $25. That is that a tempting thing? Like it, like with a family of 5 is that a tempting thing for well, you to drop 30 bucks okay, for? Okay, if you were it's not in it's not in Dolby anymore because it's been out too long, but if you were, let's just start from the beginning, you're paying almost that rental price per seat for Prime. Okay? Right. Cuz you're paying about 20 bucks a seat for Prime. Yeah. So, that already you're saving money. Uh but even if you're seeing it like just in laser, AMC laser, let's say, um, that's like 16 bucks. Let's say you say a mat see a matinee, it's still like 16 bucks. Um, so that's still a savings. Huge. I mean, yeah, you're saving money, but you're watching it at home. You're at home. I mean, now, that's, the, that's the thing to me. It's always like you're at home doing the same thing you did 
yesterday and the day before and the day before the day before However, so my, in your living room. But I mean, the, it does offer convenience. My kids are like teens now, but if you had little kids yeah. and you needed to plug them in front of a TV, I mean, this is like kind of a surefire thing. Right? You're going to drop 30 bucks for the Mario, but what does Bowser say about this? Well, you know what? <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you this. $30 is great if it includes everything that a physical disc would, which with special features and all that. I don't think that. those will be right I, yet. I expect mm -hmm. to pay that amount, even a little bit more, for that kind of stuff. Especially with Nintendo. If they had behind the scenes, even the opening of Nintendo World, this and that, that would be some cool stuff to watch. So... I would pay that, but not just to have it on digital. I got to have the, all that extra stuff. Yeah, I don't think the steel book and all that. So I'll wait for December. This is not a rush. But anyone who needs to see it or wants to watch it at home, this is uh, your opportunity. But what do you think about this? Like it's now, it's now May, June, July, August, September, October, November. Just seven months. I know, I know. Until it comes out on I other know. formats and stuff like that. I mean, this they did got a successful movie. I mean, it'll probably pay off for them, guys. Question is for you. What do you think about this? Mario Brothers is now available if you want to watch it at home, but it's more expensive than what we used to play for Blu-rays and DVDs when they would come out. And $25 just to rent it. Are you going to get it now or are you going to wait till December? Maybe you didn't even watch the movie. Whatever you guys think about this, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to this. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video, ExpressVPN. Guys, it is 2023, and online privacy and security has never been more important. You see, every device, phones, computers, tablets, has a unique IP address, which is like an internet phone number and reveals personal information about you. It's super simple for somebody online who knows what they're doing to find your IP address. If you've ever clicked on a sketchy link or opened an email from somebody you don't know, your IP address could become exposed. Now, that's where ExpressVPN has your back. ExpressVPN is an app that hides your real IP address and replaces it with a dummy one, keeping you safe and private. And you don't have to be some kind of techie to use a VPN. Guys, it is so easy to use. Just download the ExpressVPN app on your phone or computer, tap one button to turn it on, and you're protected. And if you like your streaming entertainment, here's the coolest part. They let you choose what country you want your IP address to look like it's coming from. This is incredibly useful because services like Netflix and Disney Plus give you different shows depending on what country you're in. So secure your family's online activity and unlock tons of new shows by visiting expressvpn.com slash campia. Use my link and you can get three extra months free. That's express, E-X-P-R-E-S-S, vpn.com slash campia. Go to expressvpn.com slash campia to learn more. It goes without saying that Captain America is either the number one or number two most hallmarked character in the MCU that they've ever had from the beginning. I mean, Steve and Tony were the heartbeat and the soul of the MCU. And, and honestly, you can kind of feel their absence ever since both of them left. But the Captain America movies are really some of, if not the best movies that the MCU has put out. I think Captain America, the first Avenger, is probably other than Thor, the first Thor movie, I think it might be the most underrated movie in the MCU. I mean, I absolutely love that film. And then, of course, there are a number of people who think Winter Soldier might be the best comic book movie of all time. And you'll also get other people who think maybe Civil War is the best comic book movie of all time. Needless to say, the character is important. But the character has gone through some major changes. Because at the end of Endgame, old man Steve hands off in that iconic scene here, hands off the shield, 
to Sam. And then, of course, we pick that up in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, where Sam you know, comes to terms with this new responsibility and by the end takes on the new mantle of Captain America. Now, I'm a Steve Rogers is Captain America kind of guy, but the way they've handled the Sam Wilson character taking on that mantle, I think has been really, really interesting. And honestly, the best part about the Falcon and the Winter show. And listen, Anthony Mackie, make no mistake, he's been around the MCU for a while now. He's not the new kid anymore. He has appeared in six MCU films. He first, of course, appeared in Winter Soldier. Don't forget he was in Ant-Man. He was really good in that. I love that scene in Ant-Man. His Civil War, Infinity War, Endgame, and of course, the Disney Plus series, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And now, some images have started to come out showing what his new outfit looks like in the new Captain America New World Order. The first film that Anthony is going to lead in the MCU coming out on May 3rd, 2024. So the movie's just a year away. Now, CBR had this to say about the new shots. We'll read these before we look at the image. The shots, which quickly made their way on Twitter, show Anthony Mackie sporting a redesigned costume that still incorporates the iconic red lenses that he first donned during his tenure as the Falcon. The body includes a much darker aesthetic, one that prominently features a navy blue torso and red and gray armor pieces across the shoulders and collarbones. The cap's white star has also been replaced with a gold star surrounded by various highlights. It remains unknown if Mackie's latest costume is a permanent change or whether the outfit is donned for a specific sequence in New World Order, and this is the outfit. And it is quite different. I mean, it's clearly a Captain America outfit, for sure. But it's also quite different from the outfit that Mackie was wearing at the end of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which was the predominantly white outfit that we see here, right? Now listen, again, I'm a Steve Rogers as Captain America kind of guy. And I didn't love the Falcon and the Winter Soldier uh, show, to be honest with you. But when when Mackie showed up, when Sam shows up in that outfit, even I was like, damn, that looks good. That That's a sharp, clean looking outfit. A little modern, maybe. You know, Ray, you were pointing <laughs> out that this new outfit, though, looks a little bit more reminiscent of, say, what Steve was wearing in like Winter Soldier. So what do you think about this image? First of all, you need to move on from. Chris Evans, Steve Rogers. We got a new Captain America. I'm Don't, never going to get over it. You need to. I'm never going to get right. over it. The, the suit actually looks cool to me. It looks it looks very. The problem with the first Captain America suits is they were way too bulky. They didn't look like you could move. They're getting better form fitting. From that shot, looks like it was taken in Minecraft because it's all pixels <laughs> to me. Um, I, like I, I can't I can't get Minecraft. away from looking at that gold uh, star and it looking like a butterfly to me. Like ah. Some sort of butterfly. Not not that there's anything wrong with gold butterflies on a suit, but <laughs> I'm just saying. For, you know, the big gold butterflies on suits community out there. Yeah, don't gold, be offended. Gold is not a color that I usually associate with red, white, and blue Captain America. For some reason, that just doesn't yeah. go with me. But the other parts of the suit, I like the, the, the dark navy blue. It's always stealthy. It's always a good idea to not be seen by you know, the people that you're actually going after. And that was my problem with the uh, uh, Mackie suit in Falcon and Winter Soldier. It was really bright. You yeah. can see him coming from a mile away. It's like, <laughs> oh, there's Falcon. Shoot him Stealth down. was not yeah, the design yeah. choice. So that's, but I do like the looks. Maybe I need to see a clearer picture. But you know what? I'm all for Anthony Mackie. Let's see him do his thing. You know what? You raise a really good point. Uh, the Like, because I... I did notice the gold star right away, right? I say, like, well, that's kind of different. 
But I wonder if that is a problem that, listen, the, the Captain America outfit has always been red, white, and blue. Right. And so I don't know. But again, like the article pointed out, we don't know if this is like he's doing a commercial for the U.S. government <laughs> yeah. or something here. Yeah, yeah, and this true, isn't going to be the real suit. But I don't know. I don't mind it. You know what? I at least think this. The Winter Soldier Captain America outfit, that one looked more tactical. Yeah, right. Like it, it looked like the outfit a soldier would wear. And I the one thing I like about this new very, very blurry pixelated <laughs> image is that it kind of looks like it's getting back to that, that more uh, practical, tactical mm-hmm. sort of thing. But I don't know. We'll, we're making a lot of thoughts here based on a very blurry image. But the question is for you guys. What do you think about this first look at Anthony Mackie's new Captain America outfit, that, the upcoming Captain America New World Order? I think it looks pretty good, but I mean, some interesting things there. Will this be his new costume? Do you like it? Do you not like it? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comments section below and let us know your Thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to this. Back when Disney bought Fox, everybody was kind of understandably so focused on what does this mean for X-Men? What does this mean for Fantastic Four? But really one of the bigger pieces of that purchase puzzle was the fact that by acquiring Fox, who were themselves a major shareholder in Hulu, Disney became the de facto kind of owner of Hulu. Not all of it, but they had the most shares, they had the most ownership, and they were really in control of Hulu. And recently we found out that Bob Iger's announced that they're going to start incorporating Hulu content into Disney plus, but there's still one detail dangling out there. Disney is not the sole owner of Hulu. They own two thirds of it. The other third is owned by Comcast, the company that owns NBC and universal, and they own one third of it. Now coming up on January is a very important date. It's a put date, if you will. Basically, if Comcast decides they want to sell their one-third of Hulu, Disney is contractually obligated to buy it from them. And it sounds like that's exactly what's going to happen. This comes to us from the folks at The Hollywood Reporter, where the new CEO of, of Comcast, Roberts, was saying that it looks like we are going to exercise an option and make Disney buy the rest of it. He said this, I think we have a very valuable position, Roberts told the Muffet Nathanielson inaugural technology media and telecom conference. That's a fucking stupid name for a conference. Anyway, during a session that was webcast, the NBC Universal owner and pay TV media and technology giant has yet to decide on the future of its one-third stake in Hulu while potentially using its put option that would require Disney, which owns the remaining two-thirds, to take over its minority stake. Now, in this, Robert was kind of Roberts was explaining to his people that, yeah, we think it looks like that's what we're going to do because we think we're in a really good position. The article goes on to say this. On Tuesday, Roberts predicted Comcast shareholders will do well from a possible sale of the Hulu stake. I'm pretty certain that when we sell our Hulu stake, it'll be for more than what we have in it. In fact, that's contractually certain, Roberts added. <laughs> a valuation, get this, a valuation for Hulu with a floor, bare minimum, $27.5 billion was set in 2019 as part of an agreement between Comcast and Disney, and a final price for the one-third stake will likely be higher. So here's the thing. When you hear the news that Disney may be forced to acquire the remaining shares of Hulu, you may think, oh, but that's a good thing, right? Because you want Hulu and all that kind of stuff. But then you look at the price tag. 
So many things in life seem like a good idea until you look at the price tag. And price tags tend to bring you snap back to reality. Oh, there goes gravity. Anyway, hmm. I don't know why. I've been on an M&M kick all day. So <laughs> you see that price tag and you get a little bit of reality shock, right? Now, back in 2019, an agreement was reached where when it comes time and if Comcast makes Disney buy their shares of Hulu, at bare minimum, it's going to be $27.5 billion. That means they're one-third is going to cost Disney over $9 billion to get back from Comcast. Well done, Comcast. Yeah. That's, that's a good day at the Come office, up. man. Good day at the office. Ray's clearly a shareholder in Comcast Communications. <laughs> no, it's, it's a good day. And here's the kicker. It's probably going to be much more than that because they're going to have to bring in an arbitrator. We know the bare minimum Hulu's going to be valued as $27.5 billion, which means over $9 billion for Comcast. They're going to bring in an arbitrator, though, to assess a current value of the company. And that could be like $33 billion, $34 billion. So it could be significantly higher. Bare minimum, Disney's going to have to shell out $9 billion. Oh, and the arbiter is Ron DeSantis. Is Ron DeSantis. <laughs> oh, no. In a shocking turn. Randy Orton comes out and TKO's Disney. Oh, my God. It's Ron DeSantis. And yeah. They're going to have to pay a lot of money. Now, again, on the one hand, the good news for Disney is now they have full total ownership of Hulu. Ooh. And you know what? <laughs> they probably knew when Disney recently announced that they're going to start moving Hulu content over to Disney Plus. That was clearly done after they and Comcast probably achieved some kind of a gentleman's agreement. Because I don't think Bob Iger or Disney makes the decision to move Hulu's IP over to Disney Plus if they don't know they're buying out Comcast. Because what would be the point of doing that if later on Comcast turns the tables and says, we're going to buy your shares out, and then all of a sudden Disney Plus has all this content they just put on Disney Plus that they're going to then have to remove. So it seems like this is a foregone conclusion about this. And in reality, for us as consumers and viewers, the reality is we probably won't feel this at all because for all intents and circumstances, Intents and purposes, I was saying circumstances a lot. For all <laughs> intents and purposes, Disney is already fully in control of Hulu. I mean, they, they manage and operate the whole thing. So we ourselves as viewers probably won't notice a difference. But if you're Disney's accountant, you're going to notice a pretty big difference. Jonathan, you're kind of like our resident stocks and shares and sort of thing. You're a Comcast. Yes. Okay. You're a Comcast shareholder right now. There is value in being one third stake owner in Hulu, but you get put it to you and they, they maybe take a vote on this. If you're a Comcast shareholder, do you want them to sell that one third for that $9 million yes, minimum? Because their valuation, their, their last few quarterlies have not been stellar. And this is an influx an infusion of hard cash, 9 billion at minimum. We're, we're thinking probably yep, actually it would be 9.3 billion. So, I think so. And they only have a third valuation on, on Hulu as it is. They also said it's worth more than what they've put into it. Yeah. So who knows how much they had really benefiting from it. So I would say, yes, sell this thing, man. Now, if I was a Disney stakeholder, I might be like, oh, this is going to hurt. But yeah. Yeah. But again, this is a result. Now, some of you might be asking, well, why doesn't Disney just say now nah, we'll just keep things the way they are? 
The deal in place is come January, Comcast has the contractual option to force Disney to buy their shares. So okay. Disney, in essence, really won't have a say in this. They're going to be forced to, to own them unless Comcast changes direction. Guys, the question is for you. What do you think about this? Let's say you're a Disney shareholder. Do you want to own that final third or do you think, nah, man, we just we don't want to pay another $9 billion we control already. If you're a Comcast shareholder, do you think, hey, Hulu could have a bright future. Let's keep those, that one third. Or are you thinking, nah, man, give me that sweet juice of $9 billion. <laughs> Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys, with that down, let's move on to this. We want to thank a sponsor of this video, Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, your utility bills and favorite streaming services, inflation is everywhere. Seriously, make it stop. Thankfully, there's one company out there that's giving you a much needed break. It's Mint Mobile. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton with phone plans starting at just $15 a month. You guys know that ever since I switched to Mint Mobile, I've been saving almost 70% a month over my old phone plan. For people looking Looking for extra savings this year? Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just $15 a month. By going online only and eliminating the traditional cost of retail, Mint Mobile passes the significant savings on to you. All of their plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just $15 a month. To get your new wireless plan for just $15 a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash campia. That's mintmobile.com slash campia. Cut your wireless bill to $15 a month at mintmobile.com slash campia. There's not a lot of movies out there that you can say like everybody loves. I mean, obviously no movie has everybody love it, but you're pretty safe to say that. Everyone loves Star Wars. Obviously, there are a few people that don't, but if there's any movies you can say that about, I would also suggest that Deadpool. I, I have not met many people that said, yeah, just, just those Deadpool movies aren't for me. I mean, obviously, all film is subjective. There are going to be people who don't like it, and that's perfectly fine. But for the most part, everybody seems to love the Deadpool movies. And why not? They're absolutely fantastic. Ryan Reynolds, good Canadian kid, was born to play this role. And they've also enjoyed the success that movies that are excellent deserve to enjoy. And actually, when you look at all-time box office, if you take R-rated films, right, all the R-rated films ever made, Deadpool 1 and 2 take two of the top five spots. As a matter of fact, they take two of the top three spots. Now, the number one grossing all-time R-rated movies you can see here is Joker. I mean, that one blew all the records away, made $1.07 billion dollars. But Deadpool 2 is the second highest grossing R-rated film of all time at $785 million. Then the original Deadpool is the number thir three in all-time highest grossing R-rated films at $783 million, followed by Matrix Reloaded, which I totally forgot was rated R, uh, at $741 million. And then the horror clown film It at $700 million. And listen, these movies didn't just make tons of money, all right? We're talking about an 84% critic rating and an 85% audience score. We're talking about, in the next one, 85% critic rating and a 90% audience score. Again, with those box office numbers, it's just crazy. So obviously, everybody's excited for the new Deadpool, especially when they announced that Hugh Jackman was coming back 
to play Wolverine again. That's something I think is like one of the biggest pieces of movie news I've ever covered in my career. Well, now we might know a little bit more because according to reports going around, there is now a working title for Deadpool 3. Now, sometimes working titles in movies mean absolutely nothing. Sometimes working titles in movies give a little bit of a hint into what might be in this movie or might be a part of it. Now, this comes from the folks at CBR who write this. The name of the in-development project is Tidal Wave. That is the working title for Deadpool 3, Tidal Wave. While it's often the case that major studios use stand-in titles to obscure the plot of the film, some Marvel enthusiasts believe it could be a reference to the massive oceanic surge that flooded New York City during the ultimatum uh, I lost my place there during the ultimatum storyline. The narrative originally created by Joseph Loeb and uh, David Finch followed Magneto as he sought vengeance for the death of his children in the ultimates three other hypothesize. It could have something to do with machine created by the golden claw, which first appeared in Nova number 17 back in 1977 at the time of writing, neither Marvel studios nor Disney has responded to the speculation. All right. So it couple things need to be pointed out here. Number one, the tidal wave is reportedly the working title of the movie. Uh, obviously, that won't be the final title of the movie, but is the operating title that they're going by it has not been confirmed by Disney, right? They haven't come out and verified that that's what it is. And I doubt they will verify it because why should they bother putting out a statement and verify what a working title is? Because that's always just a placeholder. But let's say for argument's sake, that tidal wave is the working title. Number one, does it give any sort of, I don't know, insight into what this movie might be about? And if it does, and that's a big if, if it does, what could the meaning of that working title be? Well, I have a couple of thoughts on that. Thought number one, do I think it has some sort of insight into what the movie either is or part of what the movie is? I'm going to go out on a limb and guess... Please note my word, guess. I'm going to guess that it is. And and answering that question, do I think it, it has some meaning? I do think it has some meaning. So what do I think the meaning is? Okay, here's my pure, unadulterated speculation, which means that is a guarantee it'll be 100% right. Pure speculation here. I don't think Tidal Wave refers to an incident in any of the comic books. Like the CBR article, so acts or so rightfully speculates, right? Because they they've looked in, they found some stories in the comics that maybe it's a reference to. I don't think it's a reference to anything in the comic books. Here's my pure guess. I think, unfortunately, that this is going to have a very massive multiverse aspect. And I think the title Tidal Wave might have something to do with a multidimensional event. There is, I mean, it's it's hard to put into words. The best way I can describe it to me is kind of like, um, oh, what's the damn movie? Uh, Never Ending Story with Atreyu and whatever, the luck dragon. You know how the nothing just kept spreading mm -hmm. in uh, in that movie? I, I feel like my guess is that there's some sort of huge multiversal event, which is why we're going to have Deadpool and Hugh Jackman and Wolverine in the same movie. And it's going to be something that is sweeping across reality and something that Deadpool and Hugh Jackman have to fight, that Deadpool and Wolverine have to stop. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, 
wow, John, that's a pretty big jump from just the title being tidal wave to saying it's about this huge multidimensional event of this huge thing sweeping across, destroying the multiverse. And they go, yeah, I, I know it is. It's, it's a pretty far stretch. But that is my guess as to what it means. And so if it is, uh, we'll see. Or maybe it has nothing to do. Listen, maybe this is as meaningful as if they called it the working title fish and chips on sale. I mean, I, I have no idea. Maybe it has absolutely zero to do with the movie itself, but I think it's got a lot of something. No, no, no. You're, you're oh, wrong, what? You got another thought? I'm wrong. You're wrong. Okay. I'm wrong. You see, Tell me the truth. Wave. lay it down. What's the truth? It's a big wave, right? It's a big, big wave. Big I think wave. the wave is That's full what of, I've been told. I've, uh, I, feel, I think the bit wave is full of new characters. And, and obviously I, I'm going to say it's going to be, introduction of the x-men what other way can you introduce the x-men than with wolverine in the movie and deadpool so hey, like a tidal wave hiding, of new characters yeah tidal wave of like a whole group that's what i initially thought because i have no knowledge of any of the comics that have to do with that word that's that's all i'm thinking so it was that's kind not of a bad thinking. theory but that's I mean, not a bad theory if actually. they were going to introduce the x-men or at least let people know they exist more why not in this movie if, if he's in the MCU or he's going to be a part of the MCU? I mean, it's a great way for Ryan Reynolds to leave his Deadpool character. If he leaves it, then it'll give the gift of the X-Men. But again, a tidal wave of new, like a wave of new characters. That is, hey, Jonathan, you got any thoughts on that? Actually, uh, no, I don't. All right. Because well, <laughs> I, I, was, I was looking into it. I just feel like this, this Nova 1977 um no, no, reference that they made in the article that, that is far too uh, removed to be anything with that what? and then well you know maybe okay the magneto thing with um in, in the ultimates th um he took revenge well, hey now there were there have been whispers that maybe sir ian mckellen and patrick stewart could pop up i mean patrick stewart kind of implied that he was going to be in it then he kind of made a little offhand comment that sounded like it implied that ian mckellen so i mean maybe that's the tie and maybe instead of a wave of new characters instead of a, a multi-dimensional wave maybe it's exactly what they're saying yeah. in the article that maybe it's connected to magneto again we that hasn't been confirmed that patrick stewart or sir ian mckellen will be in it but if they are that might give some credence to CBR's theory here. Yeah, but I just don't think that it's a direct tie into any yeah, any, any run, you know. I'll well, be shocked if it's the Nova thing. The Nova thing because introducing cosmic into and Deadpool, Deadpool doesn't, doesn't seem to, to fit, does it? Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. All right, guys, the question is for you. What do you think about this? According to reports, there's a working title for the movie. Now, quite often they mean nothing. Sometimes they mean something. Do you think it means something? If so, do you kind of like CBR's theory about this, that it might be tying into something to do with one of the comic stories? Do you like Ray's theory, that it might have something to do with a wave of new characters? Do you like mine, that maybe <laughs> has something to do with a multidimensional wave? <laughs> Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys, with that down, let's now move on and start taking your questions. Uh, we take questions from our channel members here every day on the podcast. And earlier today, I put up a channel members only post in the community tab asking you guys if you had some questions. So we're going to get through 10 or 15 of them here right now. So, Jonathan, what do we got? All right. First up, we've got Full Boil, who writes, Hi, Campia crew. Do any of you go to specific stores where you like to buy Star Wars themed T-shirts and hats? I honestly don't uh, look because I'm such a fashion icon. I, without a word of a lie, I buy most of my clothes in Walmart and Amazon. Um, and, and this is, uh, 
Ray's nodding his head because he knows this is true. I and so <laughs> I most of my like I, I'll be in Amazon on Amazon and maybe I'll stumble across something I like and I'll buy it there or something like that. But I don't have any specific stores. Ray, I mean, you're the more pro shopper in, in the room. Like, do you have a place you like let, to go? Let me actually give you some knowledge here. All right. All right. Before it used to be Hot Topic and then I realized, oh, a lot of the shirts you buy there, if you go out with it the next day, then someone else will be wearing it. So I stopped doing that. <laughs> um, Amazon's actually a great place because what a lot of t-shirt stores do now is they, they're not even made. They're print to order. Right. Yeah, uh, Amazon yeah, does true. it. Marvel, if you go to the Marvel shop. So now I'm just looking for eBay where it's like a specific artist, maybe T Public, because Star Wars makes so much money. I want to get like some cool art or like a, something funny that someone put and, together. And it seems more original, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So like there's less of it. Because the worst thing is knowing it's your favorite shirt and going somewhere and then the first person you see. Yeah. has the same shirt. I feel the same about that, but I will say I'm with John. Most of my Star Wars stuff has come from Target, honestly. so <laughs> Like the only place you can actually wear the same thing at that's acceptable is a sports game because you're not the only person with that jersey. Right. You know it. Yeah. So it's more like, ah. Eh. But if you're walking through a mall and you're walking by some dude and he, he's just pointing at he each makes other. the shirt look better than you because yeah. <laughs> he's fucking ripped and shit. It's like, because he's ripped. You just take it off. Like, I'm like, oh man, oh. you feel in that shirt way better than I feel than mine. So yeah, I, I think it's like, it's all about the custom shirts now. Like oh, to be original. That's a good point. All right. What's all right. next? Next up, we've got Anonymous who writes, hey, John and crew, just want to remember John Schnepp. As it would have been his 56th birthday today, uh, continue to rest in peace. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Um, it was just a few. You know how Facebook, I, I, I still load up and look on Facebook about once a week. But you know how Facebook will make the first thing you see, hey, here's a memory of yours from yeah. six years ago, whatever, right? Just the other day, I opened up Facebook and it said, here's a memory of yours from, I believe it was six years ago. Cause I, th I think that, I think Schnepp, it's six years mm. since Schnepp passed away. That sounds about right. Five or six. Yeah. Yeah. It was anyway, around a Comic Con. So yeah. I just remember it, it brought up this picture of not long before, before he died of him and I coming or not coming out of, but at a party, we were at a rooftop party in Hollywood. Um, and he he had had some adult beverages. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Schnepp, Schnepp, he had some adult beverages, mm -hmm. and you could so you could totally see in the picture the kind of glazed over look in his eyes. Mm -hmm. But it was it was um, yeah that that picture came up and and yeah every year around his birthday around certainly around Comic Con because it was at Comic Con that we you know it became official that he had passed away. Mm -hmm. So yeah, whenever these dates come around, man, it just makes me think of him. Can I can I be my quickest memory of Schnepp? Yeah. My, the only one I have is. We were watching John Wick 1. I didn't know anything about it. When that guy got killed, the, the, the guy who killed the dog or smacked the dog on right. top of the head, I was so into that movie that I stood up and said, yes, mother, and I said the full F word. <laughs> and he gr grabbed my arm and pulled me down. He said, there might be kids in here. And, and you know, I was like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, sorry. But then later on, I thought about it. I was like... There was no kids in there. Kids be in there. <laughs> John so it just makes me laugh that he even said that. Like I think he was so surprised if that I else, got up and said the hard yeah. F word. If nothing else, John Schnepp was always about family values. Yeah, yeah. So, always so, looking out for the children. I always remember him. John Schnepp. I remember him through every comic book movie that I watched for the rest of my life, I think. Yeah, so. me too. All right. What's okay, next? Okay, we've got uh Red One Real. That's a hard one to say. Red One Real Talk. Uh, hey, John, I'm curious, what are some of your favorite comic book stories? And if any have been 
adapted? Did you enjoy their adaptation? This is uh, top of my mind uh, since Secret Invasion, makes sense, was uh, one of my favorite stories growing up. Thanks and bring on the filthy. Well, I mean, first of all, like whenever there are adaptations, they're always very different from what mm. they were in the comic books, right? Like we talk about this all the time. X-Men Days of Future Past, I think that's the top 10 greatest comic book movie of all time. It's nothing like Days of Future Past in the comics and so on and so forth. So don't expect Secret Invasion to be real accurate to the comic story or Secret Wars for that matter. But still, um, some of my favorite comic book storylines of all time, and if you've listened to me for any period of time, you've heard me say these. Um, Age of Ultron, sorry, Age of Ultron, Age of Apocalypse. Age of Apocalypse is my all-time favorite overall storyline. Uh, that that one is just, it, it blew the doors of my imagination off when I was first reading it and stuff like that. The whole idea about the world turned upside down, Apocalypse had taken over, you know, the entire continent, Good guy X-Men are bad guys. Bad guys are good guys and stuff like that. It's just a marvelously told story. And it was in Age, the Age of Apocalypse storyline that Magneto became my all-time favorite comic book character. Um, he's not my favorite MCU or, or movie comic book character, but all-time comic book favorite character is Magneto's because of that. Now, a couple of the other ones. Um, I really like the Nightfall series. And for those of you who don't know, that's the one where basically Bane breaks Batman's back. Mm-hmm. Batman has to go away to recover. Uh, Jean-Paul Valley, uh, Azrael, takes over the mantle of the bat, goes kind of crazy. Uh, and eventually, they Bruce has to come back and defeat Azrael to take back the mantle of the bat. Now, overall, it's a, it's a really good story. But for me, it's always about how it ends. Because you've heard me talk about this. It ends with... Dick Grayson, after they vanquished, you know, Azrael, he's no longer Batman. Dick Grayson and Bruce are standing in the Batcave and Dick Grayson is pissed. It's like, okay, everything's fixed now. Now we're going to have it out because he was irate that Bruce didn't go to him to take over the mantle of the bat. And it, it, it's just an entire issue of this dramatic, beautiful conversation and argument going on. And it ends with, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but it basically ends with Bruce putting his hand on Dick Grayson's shoulder. And the, basically the line is like, this is how it is between fathers and sons. And I just remember it's one of the most beautiful, poignant, moving moments to me ever in a comic book uh, ever. So those to me. Oh, and unpopular one. Hot take here. I don't care what anybody says. I like the Spider-Man clone saga. Okay. I know everybody hates it. Whenever I see an all time worst comic book stories of all time list, the clone saga is always on there. Is that Ben Riley? What's that? Is that Ben Riley? That's where Ben yeah. Riley comes in. Yes. And you'll, I think we'll see a version of him, right? In this upcoming in, uh, Madam Web. Oh, is it Madam Web? Maybe Madam Web. Maybe, Maybe okay. Madam Web. I mean, yeah. So I don't care that everybody else hates it. I like the clone series. Look, look, look. I have a question. Look, like the where you actually bought was eagerly awaiting the comic to release and went on a weekly basis and bought it because you love the story so much. Do you remember the last You mean one? like overall comic? Like, like like you went to the store and you were waiting for the next one. It was Age of Apocalypse. For me, for me, it was Infinity War. Mine was Civil War and then World War Hulk. Those two back to back. I went each week yeah. to pick up the comic as soon as I, they I opened. Was, I was a little too young for Infinity Gauntlet, but Infinity War came out in the early 90s. 
and I was going to the store every month for Infinity War. Yeah, Actually, no, I'm, I'm, you just brought one up I should have said, which is World War Hulk. Yeah, that's the one I went to the you know store. What? Nobody ever mentions Planet Hulk, which is the precursor right. to World War Hulk. It's honestly not as good. It's honestly not as good, but, but like World War Hulk is so freaking good. <laughs> it just makes me lament even more what they turned ending, Hulk though, into. That, what do you think about that ending, though? With, was uh, it a cop with out? Sentry? Yeah, was it a cop out that we didn't get a winner? Is it like a boxing match? They go 12 hard rounds and all you get is a draw? What, well, how'd you feel about it? I was okay with that because it's not like the name of the series was Sentry versus Hulk. And it was all a buildup for a battle between Sentry and Hulk. And then they did to a draw, right? It's World War Hulk. It's about everything else. And then last minute, the card gets pulled. The Sentry card gets pulled. Mm -hmm. Time to play God is yeah. what he said. And, and so that ending to me was quite, I was actually quite satisfied with the ending mm -hmm. myself. I just, listen, man, when you go back and read some World War Hulk and you see him, like when he shows up for Professor Charles Xavier... <laughs> And like Hank McCoy, because I guess Hank and Bruce got along and Hank McCoy beast comes out. He's trying to Hulk talk Hulk down. And it's like, look, Hank, you're base. I'm paraphrasing, but it's like, listen, man, I like you and everything, but you got to get out of my way because I'm going to go through anybody who gets in my way. And like all the X-Men trying to fight Hulk and he just trashes everybody. And I'm like, I read that and I think about that. And then I think about where the M now MCU Hulk is family barbecue Hulk. <laughs> He's Hawaiian shirt wearing family barbecue Hulk. And it makes me want to cry. <laughs> it makes me legitimately want to cry. All right, let's keep going. What's next? All right, Justin Welsh uh, says, hey, John, uh, do you and Ann or the team have any pre-movie rituals? My wife and I would go to the bookstore and shop for an hour or what, right? <laughs> you know, mine, I head straight to Chipotle. Yeah. I was going to say, I thought you were going to say you take a nap. Yeah. No, I go straight to Chipotle. That's my ritual. <laughs> Double chicken. <laughs> Little hot sauce, double double tortilla, so it doesn't drop out. That's it. That's all you need. But if there's no chipotle, it's uh, whatever I have to eat extra. Uh, oh, for know. for Ann and I, it's usually dinner. We we like to try to yeah. get out and go uh, eat dinner at a place near the movie theater, and and then uh, go. Sometimes we'll run late and we'll go to the movie first, and then have a late dinner or something. But that's really our only pre uh, pre game ritual. There was a there was a time when these things were in existence, and I also had the time to do it, but. Um, I would midweek, uh, on new music Tuesdays and uh, back then albums dropped on certain days of the week. So Tuesdays, I would go to the griddle cafe, which is next door to the director's guild of America in Hollywood. I'd go down the street on Sunday. I used to love the griddle. Yeah. I'd go down the street to, um, Arclight Hollywood. So I'd have my, my like kind of breakfast there, go down to Arclight Hollywood. <laughs> I'd walk into Amoeba records record shop. And then I'd go see a movie at Arclight Hollywood. It was a little me date. I by I like, myself. <laughs> yeah, by myself. I loved it. You know, it's funny. The first time I went to the Griddle, mm -hmm. um, I've never heard of that place. What was the name of of the uh, the girl who plays uh, Lady Sif? Why am I forgetting? Uh, Jamie oh, Alexander. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. She had that show called Blind Spot. Mm -hmm. Right. So tattoos. The 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 first time I went to the Griddle mm -hmm. was I met with uh, there's an actor whose name you may or may not remember named Johnny Whitworth. Um, he was most known for Empire Records, uh, mm. but then he was—he also had a role in, in Blind Spot, and he's been in a whole bunch of different things. He was in that Be uh, Bradley Cooper uh, Limitless yes. uh, movie. He was, and he was great. But the first time I went to the Griddle was—he uh, said he'd do an interview with me, and we just—he arranged for us to meet there at the Griddle. That was the first time I was ever at the Griddle. Oh wow! It was with Johnny Whitworth. 
Yeah. I used to be so frequent there. The doorman gave me his number and said, whenever you're coming, just let me know ahead of time so you don't have to wait. That's how often I used to go to the griddle. You're the guy that walks in and everybody goes, Norm. Yep. All right. All right. What's next? <laughs> All right. So now we've got uh, Dat Boy 22 who writes, with Fast X coming out this weekend, how well do you think Guardians 3 will hold in its third weekend? Not great. And that's understandable. And, and that's fine because it's going to make the vast lion share of its money. Look, Fast or uh, Guardians 3 in 11 days has made $530 million. That's already significantly more than Ant-Man made in its entire theatrical run. Mm-hmm. Now, it may not be as bad as you think because right now, the tracking, and it might be low, but Fast X is tracking for a $60 million opening weekend. And if that holds, and we, you know, maybe it'll be more, but if it does hold at 60 that's what Guardians made in its second weekend. And that means that there's still going to be plenty of box office there to, for the taking. If So maybe Guardians doesn't do that bad. I like Look, I think it's going to be like a 60% drop from last weekend, for this from this past weekend. But it, let's not be surprised if it holds pretty well. Are, are, are people over this franchise? Or is it the stench from the last one? That's I think caused- it's the stench from the last one. I'm I'm very interested to know the projections for the last one before it came out. Like just see how much the yeah I got to look into that because that's crazy. All Sixty right. million is not a lot for fast for a movie like no. this. No. All right. What's Confession, next? Confession, deception, rights for someone who hasn't seen all the Disney Renaissance movies. Uh, would you recommend going in blind for a movie like uh, live action Little Mermaid? Can you see there being any benefits to seeing the original after the remake? Sort of like how you won't read a book until after watching the movie based on it. You know, that's a really good question. I, I, I'm assuming when you say the the, uh, the Disney Renaissance, you're talking about the Animal. Lion King, Aladdin, 90s. Little Mermaid. Yeah, uh, which is one of the greatest eras of animation ever was that, was that run that Disney had back then. I would honestly say it doesn't matter. I, I honestly think it's okay because you know what? Watching, say, Guy Ritchie's Aladdin movie, I think having watched the original helped me appreciate the remake, the live action remake much, much, much more. I think if I just watched the Guy Ritchie version, I still would have liked it. But I think knowing the original and seeing how lovingly they approached the source material at the same time made it their own, made me appreciate it even more. So you know what? I would, yeah, I would recommend watching the original first. I mean, you don't have to, it's close, but I would recommend watching the original first. I think too, um, unlike some of us who watched it in our childhood or like teens or even like 20s, whatever age group was when we first saw something like Lion King or Little Mermaid or whatever, there's so much nostalgia. He's not going to have that nostalgia effect. So he could watch it now and, and it would be like you said, like you can appreciate the nuances of the differences of the two films. It's unlike someone like us who like, well, we have- we have that like nostalgia factor that ruins yeah. it for the live action for us. Yep. So, all right. What's next? Okay. Min is next. Who writes, uh, can you think of a film around three hours or more that you thought felt short and needed and needed to be longer? Uh, we've seen opposite, but I, I can't think of any. Well, you, you had one yeah. that you talked about. I said Blade Runner 2049. I, when I came out of that, I think I was with like Mark Riley and, might have been Christian. This was when we were at Collider still. And I was like, that's how you do a three-hour movie, man. Because that went fast. I could have taken some more. Yeah, you know what? I, I completely agree. I, that's that's a movie that when it ended, I was like, what, really? And then you realize, oh my God, the runtime of this. But you, it's very, very rare that a movie goes over three hours. Like, for instance, take something like 
How long was Martin Scorsese's uh, Irishman? Uh, I can't remember exactly. That was three something. It was three something. And oh, like, crap, that that's really? a great movie, but that was like. 329. That movie was like 45 minutes yeah. longer than it needed to be. 329. Like seriously, 45 minutes longer than it needed yeah. to be. So, uh, so many scenes just dragged. And there were several scenes that accomplished a narrative purpose that other scenes earlier in the film had already accomplished. And it's like, but most of the time when you come out of a three hour film, it's very rare. Like you feel like it was too short. And I, but I think you're right. I, I like your pick of Blade uh, Runner 2049. I don't think I've ever watched the three hour film now that I think like about straight it. through. Yeah. The, no, no, no. Just, Oh, you never, Batman. I, I can't, you Dune? the longest, wasn't Batman three hours. Uh, oh, yeah. oh yeah, Batman. Batman. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So yeah, I'm, well, li I'm a liar now. So, Batman. <laughs> I'm a liar so, now. so Hey, two fifty six, So just under three. So, so about three hours. Right. So before I, I, I don't get another chance. It's a mean, right? A mean, because he always says, you're the only one who pronounces my name. Right. Oh, it's not a min. No, it's a, Mean. Well, there mean. we go. I'm sorry. Apologies. Yeah. So learn let something me get new that every day right for you, buddy. <laughs> All right. Well, Chris Hamilton. I think I got that one right. <laughs> Are we ever going to see Denzel Washington in a comic book movie? Maybe not as a superpowered character, but maybe something similar to Robert Redford. That I would think something like that. Uh, you know, it's funny you say that because I was as soon as you started reading the question, I started thinking, well, kind of like a Robert Redford role. Mm -mm. Um, I can, and I'll tell you why I can. I remember I was sitting in the press conference for the first Thor movie and Anthony Hopkins is sitting there at the table. And one of the questions, one of the reporters asked him was, I mean, you know, we, we Sir Anthony, like, uh, you know, what, what made you think about doing a comic book movie? And he said, my grandchildren, mm -hmm. my grandchildren, they, they, they wanted me to, they wouldn't, they would kill me if I didn't take this. And I wanted something for them. And you know what? The more we're hearing from like classic actors that do this sort of stuff, there's always a mention to their kids. And what was the, there was an actress recently. I can't, we were just talking about it on the show in the last couple of weeks. There was an actress recently who that came up and said, I had, I got to be cool to my kids. <laughs> I got to, oh, yeah. I got to score um, cool points with my kids. Oh my God. And I, so because yeah. of that, no matter how prestigious and everything Denzel Washington is, there will always be that thing. I don't care how big you are that this will make me look really cool to my kid or to my grandkid. And so because of that, yes, I think it's possible. I do think it's possible at some point here. All right, what's next? All right, Mr. 47 writes, with Toy Story 5 being announced, do you think Disney will be tempted to include uh, toys from Marvel, Star Wars in the movie? I feel like uh, they would have put them in for already if they wanted to do that. I agree. I, I think that's exactly what went through my head is that if they were going to do that, it's probably something they would have done already. They seem to really be about the classic toys. Now, that being said, what year did the first Toy Story movie come out? Uh, I want to say 2003. No, Toy Story 1, it was 95. Oh, God, I'm only off by eight years. This is why I always say I'm no good with movie dates. <laughs> okay, so I was only eight years off. Okay, 95, right? Okay. We are now 28 years later. The toys that would be considered classic toys today were the brand new toys that came out when Toy Story came out, right? Because Toy Story was about classic toys in the eras before it. The, the plastic soldiers, the slinky, Mr. Potato Head, a cowboy doll, a spaceman doll, all that kind of stuff, right? Well, now the classic toys would have been the toys that were out in 95, so 
you know what? I, while I agree that my first thought is that if they were going to do it, they would have done it already. I could totally see them maybe doing what Lego did, which is even go to other studios and just get, get a license to put them in this. Like I, I could see a transformer toys uh, popping up. I could see. Yeah. And maybe, yeah. Like an Iron Man toy or some superhero toys. You know what? Yeah. I could see it happening. Yep. I could see it happening. All right. What's next? All right, uh, Temple DC, I'm having a discussion about Will Smith versus Denzel and would like to hear your opinion. Who is better, all subjective? I feel uh, Will have has shown more versatility throughout his career. And to me, Denzel plays similar characters with a tweak here and there. What is your thought? There is zero question in my mind. Listen, Denzel Washington is arguably a top five greatest of all time. Will Smith is not. I like Will's. I like Will, like, I like him a lot. If you listen to my show for any period of time, you know I'm a big Will Smith fan. But Denzel is potentially on the Mount Rushmore of all-time great actors. Will Smith is not. Now, that being said, the argument about versatility, it's hard to disagree that Will Smith may be a little bit more versatile. Like, when it comes to doing dramatic roles, like, I'm sorry, but if you didn't see Macbeth... Like Denzel Washington and Macbeth, if you have any doubt that he is a first ballot Hall of Famer actor, go watch him in Macbeth. He's freaking brilliant. And that character is way different than a lot of characters. So let, let's not pretend he's not, you know, he's not uh, The Rock where I, I like The Rock. You know, he's my favorite movie star, but where The Rock is kind of the same guy in most of his things. That's not Denzel Washington, not at all. But he doesn't do comedy. And he doesn't do musicals and he doesn't do rom-coms and he doesn't, you know, so he's got a lane that he's in. He's very diverse within that lane, but in that lane, he stays. So yeah, when you look at Will Smith, where he can be, uh, what's the, what's the movie where he gets people hooked up? Oh, the, the, uh, he gets people married or he gets it was with Kevin. Uh, yeah. With what, Kevin James. Kev, what yeah. What's the name of that? Oh my look, gosh. Look that up. No. Look that up. Yeah, oh no. Yeah. Hitch. Oh, Hitch, Hitch. Yeah. that is the name. It was it. something about hooking up or something. Yeah, yeah. Hitch. So you, he can do something like Hitch. Then he can do um, uh, Happy. What? Um, what's the one he did with his kid? Pursuit of Happiness. Pursuit of Happiness. He, you know, he can go from being in Hitch to Pursuit of Happiness. Mm-hmm. From Pursuit of Happiness to a Bad Boys, you know, an action comedy buddy cop mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, which is his doing, standard thing, kind of. Yep, to getting an Oscar nomination for playing Ali. Mm -hmm. And then he can go from that to being, you know, it's not a very good movie, but his performance is incredible. Did you guys see Seven Pounds? No, I always wanted to. uh, Listen, honestly, it's not a great movie, but he's so good in it. So, And then he can be the freaking Fresh Prince of Mm Bel-Air. Like, so I I, I agree the the diversity in his, or versatility, I should say, that slight nod goes to... Will Smith, but just overall, overall, uh, yeah, by a mile, it's Denzel Washington. Yeah, by you, a mile. You know, John, I've been. This has been racking my brain since the question was answered about who he, did, what actor did the a comic book movie for, to look cool for his kids. Right. The only thing I could come up with was Christian Bale coming back and doing Thor Love. So I don't. Yeah, know. it's gonna rack my brain like forever. <laughs> that's that's actually because remember at one point Christian Bale said like after the the, the uh, Dark Knight Rises, he said I I'm never doing comic book movies again. Like he straight up said he was right. never going to do comic book movies again, and yet there he was in Thor: yeah. Love and Thunder. 
All right, what's next? All right, Justin Teruli writes, which movie do you think will have the most successful of June, uh, sp- most success in June? Spider-Verse, Flash, Transformers 5, Elemental, or Indy 5? Will be most successful? Yeah, I guess mm. the box office, highest box office. There's three of them, I would say. I think it's Indiana Jones. Oh, you're, you're going with just one. I, I'll, it I appeals mean, to the broadest base. Yeah, it it's, does. It's the broadest base. It's the multi-generational appeal. Don't sell Elemental oh, short. That's my I know. One. I want Flash, to, Elemental, Indie. Those oh, three. See, I don't know what Flash is going to do. I just like the movie so I much. I love that it. I'm hoping it, the, it's just word of mouth. But if we're talking about opening weekend, obviously, I think Indie or Elemental. Or Yeah, but or like mm, over. And, and listen, hard. I hope, I hope now the first Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse only made, what, $403 million? Maybe it's 300 something million dollars. Mm, I hope this movie is a billion dollar movie. I hope because we've seen now 30 minutes of it between CinemaCon last year and the CinemaCon a a few weeks ago. We've now seen 30 minutes of it and it's effing brilliant. It's so good. It deserves a billion, but I don't know if it will, but I'm going to say Indy will be the most successful. 384 worldwide for Into the Spider. Right. So I'm hoping it can double that, but I I think Indy will be the thing, but we'll find out soon enough. Might be. Good month though. Good month for movie fans. All right, what's next? All right, we've got uh, one here from uh, Gannon who writes, per deadline, Fast X is looking for a $60 million domestic opening, give or take. Uh, if that holds, should it be considered a disappointing opening? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Now, listen, make no mistake. There are filmmakers who would kill to have a $60 million opening. Absolutely. But when you're a franchise that has had more than one billion-dollar film, in your uh, in your repertoire, that's not exactly what you're looking for. A sixty million dollar opening is not what you're looking for. Fast Nine opened to seventy million, um, so and that went on to make under eight hundred million. Yeah, seven hundred twenty six million. Um, and then I'm just looking up Fast Eight just for the fun of it. That one made ninety eight million opening one opening weekend. Right, and so it's just been going downhill. That one made one point two. Is that million billion? Yeah, fast the fate of the furious, which is the one Wait, before. Wait, eight, eight made over a billion. One, it says, yeah, over a billion, right here, Jonathan. Right, that's a billion. Right? I thought that's eight worldwide, one point two. Yeah, one point two billion. Uh, that's what I, for whatever reason, I thought it was only six and seven that made the a billion, no, but the maybe fate, it was seven and eight. Yeah, his fate is fate of the furious was part eight. I, yeah, because it's the, the most con- fate. Get it? Eight. Uh, yeah. It's fate? the most confusing naming. I know this ever. is called Fast One, Fast Two, Fast Three, Fast Four, Fast yeah, Five. That's a drop off. But it's the stink of how bad Fast Nine was. If 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 and this is a big if if Fast Ten ends up being financially disappointing, it I will draw a direct line to how bad Fast Nine was. That will be what why people don't come out to it is if if that happens. And, right. the, and the Rock wasn't in this one. Uh, the fast nine either no that's i, I mean it's it's Ooh. it's kind of telling that the movie that first took a dive is the first one they did without the rock mm-hmm. but but now he's in the post credit scene yeah. of the new one. Oh yeah we'll see all, all right, right what's next mark uh michael gonzalez writes over under 40 percent guardians 3 can surpass 800 in the box office 800 million over under what number 40 percent i'll go over 40 percent i'm oh, not going to say it's 100 what's it at right now uh, it's at to, as of today it's 530 so it oh, needs two hundred over forty percent. It needs two hundred and seventy more. Now, now remember, it is we've got Fast X opening up this weekend, so it's going to take a hit. But yeah, I'm going to go over forty percent that it crosses the eight hundred million mark. I, I I think it'll get there. Okay, the question becomes a billion, which 
I don't think so. I mean, I feel like watching it one more time, to be honest. But with this wave of movies coming out, I don't think if, unless I watch it this week sometime, then that's not going to happen for me. So, all right, what's next? All right, um, which? Oh, sorry, from uh, Tevin Camo again. Which animated movie do you predict will have the highest box office of the year? Super Mario, <laughs> uh, Across the Spider Verse, Elemental. Oh, it's Mario Brothers. Yeah, it Mar- happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> already Mario happened. is already in the top five of the highest grossing animated films of all time. Again, I don't think, although it is my most anticipated movie of the year now, well, that and Dune is Spider-Verse, but I don't think Spider-Verse will get to a billion dollars. Like I said, the last one didn't even make 400 million. And I think Elemental will be a big hit, but I don't think it's going to hit a billion dollars. Yeah, the number one box office movie of the year. And maybe the number one movie of the year, period, animated or not, is probably going to end up being Mario Brothers. And he left those banana peels right there for Spider-Verse and Elemental. That's right. They're going to slip and slide all over the place. All right, what's next? All right, we've got um, from Yulatan. This is kind of a follow-up, following up from my question yesterday. <coughs> and now that he says this, I remember too. Rerun the City is awesome. It stars John Bernthal, uh, centered around the city of Baltimore Police Department and brought to us by the same people who created The Wire. Although I'm five episodes in the six-episode season, uh, I have the strong impression the show is 15 years after the events of The Wire. Okay, and it stars John Bernthal? Yeah, I remember this How now. is John Bernthal starring in something? I haven't even heard of it. It's gotten great reviews, too. We run the city. And that's run this on. city. We run this All right. City. Well, I will definitely look for that, because I love John Bernthal. I had no idea he was in that. Okay, good to know. I'll keep my eye open for that. All right, what's next? Um, Let's see. I think we've covered... Oh, I had it's a... We Own This City. We Own oh, This City. Oh, it's not We... Oh, yeah, you're probably thinking of We Run the Night. Which was yeah. a okay, so we own this, this city, city, right? That yeah, was the name, right. but yeah, yeah. yeah, haven't watched it yet, not familiar with it. But now that I know that John Bernthal's in it, I, I'm kind of very interested in that. All right, so all right, is that all questions? Oh, uh, we have one more. Okay, uh, Jamie Rell, who writes, uh, with people like James Earl Jones signing over the likeness of his voice, is it possible the, for the Simpsons cast to do the same? Would that be legal to continue the show without the actual actors doing the voices? Decades and decades of the Simpsons well past our time. It's completely legal mm-hmm. if the actors give their yeah, consent. Yeah, they want to sell it. Yeah, yeah. If the actors give their consent, absolutely. But, but let's be honest here. Like, we all know that The Simpsons, now I'm sure they probably said this 15 years ago too, but The Simpsons is now in the winter of its existence. Like, I, I don't expect Simpsons is going to keep running for very long. What I predict is within the next two years, they'll probably say this is our last season, and then they'll probably make one or two feature films um, and uh, continue it on that way. But But yeah, if... If they wanted to do f- seven more seasons, then maybe they'd want to ask the actors if they would sign over the their voice likeness. And if the actors agree to it, then it's totally legal to do that. Otherwise, they'll just have to change the voice of a, of a character. Remember, Homer, the guy who does the voice of Homer is not the guy who did the voice of Homer originally. I hated the original Homer. Voice. Yeah, I do. Especially now when you look back yeah. and, and listen to the original Homer's voice. So, I mean, they can change it, but if they want to try to make it exactly the same, they could just sign a deal with them and uh, get those rights. But I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think they need to do that. All right, guys. And that'll do it. 
for this episode of the John Campus Show podcast. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in and listening to our show today. Big special thank you to all of you guys, our channel members who sent in the questions for giving us great fun things to talk about. And uh, that'll wrap it up for now, guys. Make sure you're subscribed to our podcast, of course, and make sure you come back and join us for the next episode of the John Campus Show podcast. I want to thank Ray, who's in the room here with me. Jonathan Voiko is in the room here with me. And thank you again to all of you. My name is John Campia. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye.